And this morning, I'm delighted to introduce our newly evolved and refreshed and regenerated speaker who has had a fabulous week of divine downloads. So please welcome Dr. Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Now I remember what we're doing. Yeah, okay. I'd like to invite you, if you'd like to, to sing a song with me, please feel free. It's, uh, the words are going to be up there in a moment. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, if you'd like to stay seated, that's fine too. And then we'll, we'll say a prayer. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room very room and why'd I invite you to know with me as we collectively take a deep breath and release any tension we're holding because we are safe in this moment safe in the, the embrace and the vibration of the most high that life that one life that perfect life I claim as my own in this moment, claiming it in the I am. And if that resonates with you, claim it with me. And in that claiming, in that choosing, I know as I choose it, it chooses me. The same activity that brought us here into this incarnation. And so what I know in this moment is everything. This is my intentional prayer, my willful, intentional prayer. That something powerful and wonderful is having its way by means of me, eradicating and dissipating and dissolving anything that creates resistance to the true nature of my being in this moment. I know that our words, our music, our celebration, the consciousness that we stand upon is pristine in every good way, informing, resourcing, and supplying everything necessary for myself, for your thriving, my thriving. So I stand together in the celebration and the joy and the freedom and the articulation of the truth of our being this day. Passed down, we stand on the shoulders of giants today in celebration, in gratitude, and in great anticipation of this moment and each moment hereafter. I give thanks, knowing everything is in divine right order and reflecting my intentional prayer in this moment. For this, I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Stefan. Love it when Stefan. Sh- 
shows up and he fills in and when he carries that forward so beautifully when Brown is out doing his thing. We have such an amazing group of musicians. I, I want to thank the guys. They were here. They listened to my talk at the first service. They didn't realize that it was just getting warmed up, so they went and had their, they're smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee out back right now, getting ready for their... their, their I'm just teasing. <laughs> their spiritual practice. They're wonderful. They're wonderful guys. There's Gord right there. He's not smoking a cigarette. He's, I don't think Gord's probably ever even touched a cigarette, let alone smoked one. Anyway, they were playing, and there's Josh. We're just missing Chris. Uh, but just wonderful music today. And um, it's been an amazing last few days of music. We went down on Thursday night to see Shimshai. And Shimshai is the guy that brought uh, the song Come to our community. He's a wonderful musician and amazing guy. And I, and I love him. And then we went and saw the concert last night with so many of our musicians involved. Gord was part of that. And and Suze was, and Brian, and Martin, and uh, Jordan Kaminsky. Jordan's been with us a number of times. So it was wonderful to watch that. It was put together by Larry Anderson. It was a CD and a DVD, that, and they're doing a documentary around it as well, part of Larry's vision. So it's very exciting to be part of that because music is so important. It takes us, excuse me, it takes us out of that left side of our brain, puts us in the right side, the transcendent part. David Hawkins says that, that if we all lived in the right side of our brain all the time, we'd be angels. The problem is we'd all be dead. So we need the left side as well. And so it's, but it's the balancing. It's understanding. We need that. We need the, line, the linear stuff. We need to be able to track. We need to be able to, to find our way. But the right side is where music takes us. And that, that becomes a transcendent moment. Sacred music is powerful and wonderful. And we have so much of that. That's why we do service the way we do it. This isn't just random, you know. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been thought through a little bit. So I've been using uh, Anita Morjani's book, Dying to Be Me, and this is the last week I'll use it. It's a wonderful book. We picked up a few more of these at, at Costco, so if you're interested in purchasing a book, we have them in the back. They are $5 more here at the center. <laughs> we bought 10 more this week, because we know people have been asking. You can buy it for $5 cheaper at Costco. If you're not a Costco member, you can purchase them here. And if you are a Costco member, you can still purchase them here and save yourself the trip to Costco. And if we don't sell them, I have the receipt and I can take them back. So that's my commercial. <laughs> anyway, so that's the way that works. But knowing our group the way I know our group, they want the book and they want it now. I want Christ consciousness and I want it now. Don't tell me I have to start meditating. I don't want to do any forgiveness work. Okay. Gotcha. She says, and she talks about the, 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 the thing that inspired me uh, last month when I was putting these talks together and these, these titles, uh, talk uh, uh, titles together, was the idea that healing is, the healing is, is just the beginning. So she had this instantaneous or almost instantaneous healing. She had a shift and change when she went into the coma and she came out of the coma and she had new awarenesses. And what she came to was a realization of the truth of her being. So it's a wonderful book. I love it. It's great stuff in here. She talks about how Wayne Dyer got a hold of it and the synchronicities of it. Because when she had the experience, she was all excited and she wanted to share it with everybody. And then she realized, I'm scared to share it with everybody. Which to me is such a great indicator. And my experience with this is we are so ready, willing, and able to share our wounds and our pains with everyone. Man, that's just, that's really easy to do. But we're, we're, we're less willing to share our goodness the goodness that shows up in our lives. And part of that is just the way the culture presents information. I don't want to hear about your goodness. That's boring. You know, we, what we share, how we can connect, is our pain. 
Oh, yeah. <sighs> Have you ever been to a 12-step meeting? Anybody here? Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting, uh, and it, uh, listen, I'm all for the 12-step program because I think it's important, but Walter Starkey used to say this, and Walter was, uh, was a recovering alcoholic most of his adult life, and he used to go to the 12-step meeting because he knew how powerful words are. What I, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I say, I become. So Walter knew that, and Walter would go to the 12-step meeting, and he'd stand up and he'd say, hi, my name is Walter, and everybody'd say, hey, Welcome, Walter. And he's an alcoholic. Because he knew that the I am of who Walter was was much more than his addiction. But he didn't want to continue to identify with that. And so it's so so important because what we say we become. What we say we become. Hafez, who was a contemporary of Rumi, said this. Come rest your head upon my lap. For the work in separation is the most exhausting thing you do. Come rest your head on my lap because the work in separation is the most exhausting thing you do. Separation. Not enough. There isn't enough. The world's a scary place. Fear, 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 fear. Last week I talked about Ernest Holmes. I brought it back from our sudden whole sheet on quotations and powerful things that that Holmes talked about fear because fear is so popular. You know, we just went through an election here and there was a lot of information and you can, when you read, when you start to discern and you read the, the, the text that people use because their words reflect who they are, what we say we become. And so all of a sudden you'll see the fear-based consciousness start to put ideas out. And then what you get to do with that, if, if we're awake and aware, is to realize that, to either say that represents me or it doesn't represent me. I'm buying into that or I'm not buying into that. There's going to be an election in November in the United States. And my sense of what's going to happen is they're going to be, because there's so much fear around life for most people. The majority of people live in fear. David Hawkins, when he does his work, says that 78% of the population it calibrates at a level in the, in the calibration system he uses at that level of fear. And so when you see things being said, because I think what's going to happen, my sense of this is that it's going to get really, really nasty as they get closer and closer to the election. And I think that the fear-based group that wants to, to, uh, would like to step into a a position of influence uh, will use anything they can, anything and everything. But that's what what that, that consciousness does. And And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just what that consciousness does. So do I want to participate in my life at that level or not? Because that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. Am I continue, do I continue to, to live in fear or do I continue? Because what fear is is separation. When people tell you that life's scary, that they don't feel safe, they're living in separation. And if you want to join in that, in that consciousness, you can say, you're right. Oh my God, it is a scary place. But here's the great thing about it, and this is what Morjani, when, when Anita Morjani died and she had this, this instantaneous healing, and if you read the book, the details are in there, but, but what, what she realized was her own sense of magnificence, her divinity, her divinity. And so what I was inspired this week to do is go back and look at a book that I read many years ago by Daniel Brinkley called Saved by the Light. And Daniel Brinkley, great story, probably not for him, but great story because it changed his life. 
And, he, and so he's, we have this. Isn't it wonderful that we have written text? People have the experience. They go through that wall of death. They go through that, and, and they come back, and they, and they tell their story. Well, Daniel Brinkley didn't die one time. He died three times. And he said what happened for him was he was on the phone. He was living in the South. And what his, his family business was, they restored antique cars. And he said he called a friend of his. They were working on the 37 LaSalle, and he needed some help. And he called his friend. Now, his other job in his life is he worked for the uh, Central Intelligence Agency from the United States. And so they would call when they had something that they wanted to fix. So they would call him, and they would fly him to a location, and they would give him a sniper rifle, and he would kill whoever needed to be killed, according to the CIA. And he writes about it in the book. So he said he went to, he's sitting on his bed, and he's talking to his friend. He's at home. He's in South Carolina. And all of a sudden, he heard this thunder I think he's calling right now. <laughs> he heard thunder coming. And he said to his friend on the phone, he said, my mom says I shouldn't talk on the phone when there's, there's uh, lightning in the area. And as he said it, the lightning came down through the phone line. It went through him. It lifted him up in the air. It welded the, the, the uh, nails in his, his shoes to the nails in the floor. Lifted him out of his shoes. He suspended in the air and, and vibrated for a while. And it flopped him down on the bed. He was dead for 28 minutes. He was completely paralyzed for six days, and then he spent another seven months uh, working out of the uh, paralysis. And as he says, but that wasn't enough. So three or four years later, he's on the phone again. He tells his friend, you know, I hear lightning. I better get off the phone. And as he says it, the lightning goes through the line, and the same thing happened to him. Dead again, dead for 45 minutes. And the third time, because of the, the problems he had with the lightning hit him, he, he had to go in for open-heart surgery, and he died in the surgery. He said the interesting thing is, and everybody's experience is the same, uh, but he said that, that most people, when they die, they go through this tunnel of light, and they come out, and they meet, and they're greeted by people that they knew and loved them, grandparents and, and relatives and all these wonderful people, and, you know, hey. And he said, the three times I died... To give you an idea of what kind of person I was before all this happened to me, no one met me. No one was there. But what he said, and and what happened to him the first time he'd hit, he said, I couldn't go back into the bedroom. So we moved, thinking that would take care of it. He said, no, God wanted my attention. But it's a very, very interesting thing that we have people that are telling these stories to us right now. And he said that he was raised in South Carolina. In South Carolina, everybody's going to hell. In South Carolina, you're going to hell. As he said, and if you live in North Carolina, you're in hell. <laughs> and one of the things he talks about with this whole thing is, is, is joy. It's very interesting because I was reading this and I was reading something from a retreat I went with uh, Kathy. Laura and I spent some time with Kathy Ann Lewis at one of her retreats a number of years ago, and they both said the same thing. To preach the gospel, Kathy Ann said, to preach the gospel is to, is to speak of our lives in joy. That's the true gospel. And Daniel Brinkley went through this whole thing, and he said, I gotta tell you, the spirituality has gotta be about joy, because that's our nature. We're joyful. God is joyful. We are here to celebrate life in joy and freedom. 
He said, and, and what Daniel Brinkley said about it, and, this is, and Anita re- reflects it. She's got her own story, but she says, I came back and I realized how magnificent I was. I was so paralyzed by fear and worrying about what people thought of me and how I was showing up and was I enough in this? And she said she went right back into the fear after the experience and didn't want to share it. And then she realized she was called to share her story and, and sharing the story, a friend of hers was doing a workshop. She went and shared her story and it opened her up and put her back into the consciousness. And she realized it was okay to, to share her story. I mean, could you imagine standing up and having the courage to say, you know, I died and I came back. How many people believe that? When you Google her online, and I Googled uh, Danian Brinkley, and, and there's all kinds of stuff underneath the stories where people, you know, say what a fraud they are. So, are they a fraud? Did they have this experience? I think Danian Brinkley's telling the truth. I think Anita Morjani had this experience. I think that we are eternal spirits. Daniel Brinkley says, we choose to come. We choose to come and we are chosen to come. It's an agreement that we reach. And the reason we come is because the infinite intelligence said, you, you are the only one that can do what needs to be done right now for the evolution of consciousness to to take a greater expression on the planet. You. I don't know what that agreement is. I don't know what that agreement is, but I love that idea. There's no accident that you and I are here. But then, but then what happens is what the influences in our life say, well, come on over here, because what we're going to do is we're going to huddle together and make sure we're safe. Daniel Brinkley said that he was such a problematic kid. He said, you know, there's, and he's very, very, he said, I'm very anal retentive. I've got to have the information. And he said, I need to have information. So he said, here I'm a young boy. And every weekend, because I was so problematic and I was so disrespectful and I was just such a problem for everybody, every weekend they'd send me to Bible school. We'd go Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. And he said, I'm sitting there as a little boy. And the guy says, well, the universe is only 6,000 years old. And he said, well, wait a minute. Uh, carbon dating says it's billions of years old. And he said, the preacher said to him, well, that's the work of Satan. That's the work of Satan. I said, geez, okay. And he said, then there's a story in there about this naked man and this naked woman and this talking snake. He said, I've gone all over the world for 30 years. And I, he said, I've been to zoos all over the world. I've never met a talking snake yet. He said, and if you find one, let me know. I'll meet you there. He said, it's fabulized mythology. And it's important. It's important information. But it... it Whenever we take any sacred text and it creates fear and limitation in our lives, I don't think it serves a sacred text. There's value in that story. It was about the... Thanks. But it's so true. It's so... You know what? We're all here. We are all here to, to, to live this life beautifully you know we look out in the world we don't have to convince anybody we just have to convince ourselves we convince ourselves and we live from what we know to be true there's no one Daniel Brinkley said I came back from this I've been he said I've died three times and you know what he does now he said for the last 31 years I sit with people in hospice that are dying 
That's my job because he realizes how important it is for people to clear up their, their stuff when they step over that threshold. He said, because what we don't get, and Marjani's talking about it in Dying to Be Me, we don't die. We don't die. You never die. You have always been and you will always be. And for some people, it's like, hallelujah. And for others, it's like, oh, no. I'm stuck with me forever. Holy moly. My teacher, Reverend Catherine Yates, she died about two weeks ago. And she used to always, I loved it, she'd always say to me, because I'd get fed up. Oh, this stuff, it's not working fast enough for me. I need it quick and fast. Come on. I'm quitting. And she'd say, okay, see ya. Well, maybe I'm not leaving then. She said, you can quit anytime. But she said, you're going to do the work. You're going to do your work. I'll never forget this. It was the line she drew in the sand. She said, you can do the work now or you can do it later. <sighs> okay. I never forgot that. That was one of those moments where I could have just said, nah, forget it. I'm done. We choose to come and we are chosen to come. There's no one greater than you. You have come here and who knows what that simple act is. We are here, as Daniel Brinkley said, and it's what Ernest Holmes said, and it's what all the great teachers have said, we are here as co-creators. Your purpose, your purpose? I was going to have a workshop on this, but I'll just give it away today. 75 bucks, come for the weekend, three hours of me talking, and then I'll tell you your purpose at the end. I'll just tell you right now. Your purpose is to be you. Be you. But most of what being you is right now isn't you. Because there's so much stuff we're dragging along, how can you express itself? Because the world's a scary place, and I've got to keep track of all those people that are misbehaving out there. Remember those kids you had in grade school that were the bathroom monitors? I used to hate those guys. <laughs> Come on, hurry up in there, hurry up in there. Make sure you wash your hands. All right. Your purpose is to be you. We teach best what we most need to learn. All of us. We teach best what we most need to learn. He said, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. He said, my, my lesson here in this incarnation is patience. So I'm the most, Daniel Brinkley said, I'm the most impatient person on the planet. My lesson here is patience. And he sits in hospice with these people as they make their transition and he helps them clear the space. He said, when you go through that space, he said, you ever been caught doing something and your dad catches you? And he says, he usually is really mean. He said, when you go through the space, he said, it's like granddad catching you. You know you've done something wrong, and he sits down and he tells you, but everything's safe. Everything is cool. And by the time he gets done straightening you out, he probably gives you a quarter, tells you don't do it again, you know? That's what the infinite's like. It's like granddad. We are here to, cre- to co-create, and nobody gets away with anything. He said, when he went through his past, he, he did it three times. He said, I got my life reviews. And every time I went through and died, I went through a life review. He said, you take on the persona of every person you've ever interacted with. There's nobody there judging you. You get to have the experience because we're all one. You don't get away with anything. You are divinity in action, he says, so pay attention. God could not be here today, so he sent you.
It's the way it works. God could not be here today, so he sent you. That divinity expressing as you. But we've put so much energy into sharing from our woundedness and living from it. It's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. Who says there isn't enough? Who says there isn't enough? Who says you're not enough? I mean, I've had plenty of people. Most of my teachers have told me that. That was the way they got me to behave. But then at some point in time, we've got to decide who's in charge here. Who chooses? Who chooses? Daniel Brinkley says it's all about love. He says, you never die. You will be forever. Better get in love with you. When are you going to do that? Your next lifetime? Your next incarnation? There's teachers and there's lovers in our lives. Teachers and our lovers. Dennis Merrick Jones is coming next week. I love Dennis. And one of the great lessons I learned with Dennis is, see, Marianne Williamson said this, you do not have to be liked. And I'm not talking about Dennis, I'm talking about me right now. You don't have to be liked to do great work in the world. I don't have to be liked to do this. But a lot of times people will say, well, I don't like you, so I'm leaving. I get it. But I'm not here, I'm not here to pander to, to be your friend, because then I'm enabling you. And when, when I was with Dennis, he needed a friend. So I'll tell you how this works, because I have a lot of people, and, and I've learned this, and I'm much better at it, but you, you just don't learn all this. You've got to go through the fires of, of ministry to get to this point. Your teacher can't be your friend. And Dennis made me his friend. So I wanted to be, do ministry, but I knew there were things I wanted to deal with. And I knew I couldn't go there with Dennis, so I had to leave there. I left that community, and I went to another community and found my teacher. And my teacher was relentless. We were never friends. I never tried to make her my friend because I knew that if I made her my friend, we were done doing the work. But I want to tell you, we gotta have, we've got to have teachers in our lives. We've got to have teachers that hold the highest expectations for us, and she did. Man, I, when I had a conversation with my teacher right up until the end, I thought of every word I was going to say. She, she called me on it all the time. Sometimes it was exhausting. I gotta call Catherine. Oh my God. Hello, Catherine. I called her one time. She was upset because uh, uh, when I was nominated for the board the first time, I'll tell the story now because she's not with us. I was nominated for the board of directors, uh, International Centers for Spiritual Living, and I didn't know anything about it. I'm here. I'm living in the basement at the time, and so I finally called her. I said, "Something's up. I just know something's up with Catherine." And I called her, and she said, "You know that letter that you wrote to get yourself on the board." Uh, you never mentioned me as a, your teacher. And she went on and on and on, and I hadn't talked to her in a couple of years. And I said, well, Catherine, I never wrote the letter. Someone else wrote that letter to nominate me. I didn't even know a letter had been written. But here was Catherine, that, and, she's my t- and I love her. And, and so then I said to her, well, I'm sorry. And she said to me, well, if you didn't do anything wrong, what are you sorry about? <laughs> but that was our relationship. She didn't, I mean, and, 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 and of course, then I'm back on my, I'm thinking, well, yeah, what am I sorry about? You know, why am I apologizing? But I was, what I was sorry about was that she, she had this experience. But she was so honest. 
I mean, this woman loved me like nobody's ever loved me in my life. Last time I talked to her, she said, I love you. And I know she did. But it wasn't warm and fun. We weren't pals. We weren't, but she was my teacher. She was my teacher and she held me accountable. And I'm so appreciative of what she did. I get that. I just adore that woman. But people would look at our relationship and not think it was adorable. But this is not easy work. This is not easy work. And you've got to have people that will tell you the truth. This is, it's just, it's, it's such important work to do. And that's the highest form of love. And, and I get that. I, I just think it's so important. That was such an important learning for me. What a wonderful teacher. She said to me one time, we were doing, I've spent hours and hours with this woman in prayer and counseling. Hours. And she looked at me one day and said, maybe you'll be the teacher next time. I said, oh, maybe. She said, because I'm not coming back again. And I thought, well, that's probably true too. Wonderful, amazing woman. Daniel Brinkley said, if it isn't funny, it's not spiritual. If it isn't, we're not having fun, it's not spiritual. Because the infinite is having a great time all the time. Just lighten up. That's part of the spiritual pride. Lighten up. Have fun. He said, number one, it's all about love. But what happens is our, our forms of love and our interpretation of love get, get mixed up. Number two, what do, what do you believe about love? It's not about what everybody else believes about love. My story about Catherine is my story. It may not be your story. It doesn't have to be your story. That's what's important. What do I believe about love? What, and, 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 and we wait for other people to define love for us. You're not lovable. You don't measure up. You're not good enough. Oh, okay. And we believe that. Mm. Number two, what choices do you make? Giving up your power. Where do I give up my power? I don't want to do that anymore. How, and how do you change it? Someone said to him, how do you, to Daniel Brinkley, how do you change it? He said, willful, conscious prayer. Willful, conscious prayer. We directed our word, what we say we become. We use these tools to heal our life. Because why do the healing? Because when we move from, from the, the woundedness, when we move from the woundedness, we move into when we were at Chimshai at the concert, Brian McLeod was there, and Brian kept interacting with him and give, give, you know, coming over and talking to me about him. He said, he, Brian said, I think this guy's in ascension. He's in ascension consciousness. And I thought, wow, that's what it is. He'd, moved, he'd done enough of his own work to sit in the presence and, be, and let the presence come through him. Wow. And it was just transformative. It was transcendent. The whole experience, people were up dancing. You, you watch Chris and the guys get up here. We, you, you nip at the spirit with that. They've done their work and then spirit just flows through them. It's a beautiful thing. Then you're the Christ consciousness. Then you're the Christ consciousness. Come, rest your head on my lap, for the work in separation is the most exact, exhausting thing you'll ever do. We're going through a lot of changes right now. I'm talking about the fear. I'm talking about what's happened on the planet. Daniel Brinkley lectures on this stuff all over the world when he's not doing the hospice work. He said, the consciousness on this planet is changing. And, and, and time is getting shorter and shorter because the consciousness is changing. The whole solar system has changed. The science has measured that. He said... But this is what's important to know. 
You are great. You are powerful. You are mighty. You are playful spiritual beings with dignity, direction, and purpose. That's why we've come. And despite your story, despite what's happened, despite what's alive for you, it's not the truth of your being if it's anything other than that. You are great, you are powerful, you are mighty, you are playful spiritual beings with divinity, direction, and purpose. You were that before you arrived, and you'll be that after you, after you leave. But how do we stay in touch with that? How do we connect with that? I said earlier, these guys have got their CDs in the back, and Chris is up here singing these chants about I am love, and I am beauty. I said, I went back and bought the, all their CDs at, uh, between services because their spiritual practice to put that on because what I say, what I sing, I become. What I say, what I sing, I become. I'm for that. Here's this, I mean, these guys, I I'm just marvel at musicians. What compels somebody to be a musician? I mean, how many of these, how many, okay, all the musicians here, all the multimillionaires in the group stand up right now. <laughs> but there's something within it because they know. They know the language. And for all of us, it's, what is our purpose? It's to be you. It's just to be you. And what you is, is that, that, that powerful essence, that spiritual joy that celebration of life to realize, oh, there's all kinds of stories that go on and there's all kinds of things that have happened to me. And, I've, and I, you know, God, I don't know how I even got here. I'm so grateful for my teacher. You know, when I come in and I tell her, oh, let me tell you the story because I was so ready to share my woundedness with her and my brokenness. And she'd giggle at me. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Catherine. Tell me the truth on this one. And she would just bring me around to the truth of my being. Just amazing. What a gift. What a gift. Loved it. And I, I, and I love her and celebrate her to this day. Yeah, we've got to have that. We've got to have that, that authentic conversation. We are here to love one another. But let's stand in our, our egoic nature in, the, in a healthy, powerful way. We've got to have the ego. Marcia Sutton says, you've got to have a strong ego to do this work. You can't get up and sing a song like Chris or Brian or... or uh, Martin, without a strong ego, but it's got to be a healthy ego. I'm about this. This is what I'm called to do, and this is what I'm called to share. And then what that does, that aspect allows you to step off into the other realm, which is the divine. You hear that. In the, and if you look at Scripture, if you look what Jesus talked about, he talked about it all the time, the varying levels of consciousness he was in and out of. It's there. It's there. So what we can do this week is... I pulled this up. I was looking at my notes from a, a workshop from Kathy Ann. She said, letting go is much more powerful than plowing ahead. Letting go is much more powerful than plowing ahead. Number one, who or what are you being called to heal? Who or what are you being called to heal in your life right now, today, in this moment? And healing is just becoming more in more alignment with your true nature, which is already there. It's not something you have to earn. It's something to reveal. Number two, how does your sense of separation from God show up? How does your separation from God show up? Is it fear? Is it lack? Is it limitation? How does it show up for you? Look at that. It's important to pull it close to him. This is a pattern that I've fallen into. Number three, what in you tries to make things hard? What in you tries to make things hard? What is the idea you're bringing along that's got to make it hard? And number four, Love this one. 
Are you willing to be used by universal good for a purpose greater than yourself, but never get credit? Are you willing to be used by universal good for a purpose greater than yourself, but never get the credit? Because then it's unconditional. Then it's just given. Why don't we give? Why don't we give? Why don't we share our gifts? Might not be enough. Hmm. Sounds like fear to me. Sounds like separation. But those are the tools we work with. And if you're there, fantastic. You're doing the work. You're paying attention. We're giving birth to a new consciousness right now. You and only you have that gift, have that purpose that you came with to share. I know that's true for me. And today, I, I, today I want to address that and I want to be of service to that. And I want to catch myself when I stand in line trying to hear where I'm going to get the credit. And just offer it. This is my gift. This is my giving to the world. And I trust in it. And that's a beautiful, powerful, wonderful thing. What must I give up to be that on this planet? Kathy Ann Lewis said that one of the most powerful ways to amplify this feeling, this consciousness in our life is through praise. Praise. One of the, the chants we would use with Kathy in retreat, which came from Marcia Sutton, which is the training I just went through, was to say, I raise you and I praise you in the name of love. I raise you and I praise you in the name of love. Tomorrow morning when you get up, if you remember, if you're guided to this, look yourself in the mirror. Look into your eyes. Say, I raise you and I praise you in the name of love. That's speaking to the divine within you, the, that divinity, the etern- internal, eternal divinity within you. Because you're going to do the work. You can do it tomorrow or you can do it later. I raise you and I praise you in the name of love. Let's say it one time together. I raise you and I praise you in the name of love. So it is.